Hi, welcome to Space Bros, the podcast for bad bitch sci-fi nerds. I'm Kate, and with me is the ruler of the northern Milwaukee area and mother of dachshunds, Mary Johnston. What's up, girl? I like it. So many people (laughs) in Milwaukee are like, I don't know her. really doesn't like, matter and i don't even mean it in, like need to know who's pulling the strings you're the one pulling them okay they're like i don't even mean that in like a kind of a campy drag way i just mean like i don't know her physically like like literally <laughs> she's not known to me so we should so, we should get into it we have decided to talk about the movie passengers which stars a trash human named jim preston mary would you like to give us a little yeah. background on this lovely cinematic um I, I don't want to call it a masterpiece because it's not one. So. A, a trash boat, I think is what trash you boat. mean. A, tr- a floating trash boat of a trash movie. Trash boat. <laughs> uh, this movie is about the Avalon, which is a ship that's transporting 5,000 colonists uh, in hibernation pods over the course of 120 years to a, n- a new planet called Homestead 2. Um, and 30, which is such a good name, by the way, for a planet. You, I mean, know, you know, you really know it's good if your if your planet's name is a sequel, <laughs> like real good. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. 30 years into the journey, um, the ship is is tootling long and it goes through an asteroid belt and a which ast- for some reason it's inadequately prepared for, even though this is space travel it's and we know asteroid fields exist. It's but go on, sorry, literally space. So, literally space. <laughs> so um, an asteroid smacks against the hull of the ship. It causes a malfunction, and that malfunction causes one unlucky passenger, Mr. Jim Preston, a mechanical engineer, to wake up 90 years too early. Bum, bum, bum. So Jim, Jim lives a whole year in isolation. And he's, he's on the brink. He's, he's got a big bushy beard, and he's contemplating suicide. <laughs> Yeah, his beard gets longer, which is how we know his life is falling apart. His facial hair, the length equals your mental health state. It's like an inverse relationship, Obviously. you know? Yeah, you've ever, have you ever hung out with ZZ Top? They're batshit. Um, so one day, while he's, while he's meandering around this ship, he, uh, his eye lights upon uh, a lady in her, fast asleep in her hibernation pod named Aurora Lane, and he falls in love with her instantly. He loves her gorgeous face, and he also creeps all over these video profile things that they made that are on board the ship. So he struggles with the morality of should he wake her up so that he can have a companion, or should he let her sleep and live her life out and make her own choices? And eventually he decides that he's going to wake her up and mm-hmm. not tell her, ahahaha, ah, ah, get away with it by lying. Not yeah. tell her that he woke her up. Instead, let her come to believe that it was a malfunction, too. So he does yep. that thing. She wakes up, is initially devastated, gets over it real fast. Yeah. And uh, starts a romantic relationship with Jim. Mm-hmm. So. So that that is that is the first half of the movie um, yeah, in, a nutshell. in a nutshell but wait we yeah. have to dig in because there's a lot going on in that first oh, half. absolutely so full, uh-huh, absolutely. full disclosure i 
had not seen this movie before, we thought it would be a good idea to do it for the pod. I still think it's a good idea to do it for the pod, having seen it. Absolutely. Um, but I knew I was going to disapprove of this movie's gender politics. Like, I knew that going in, because I knew the plot line of the movie. I read the think pieces on HuffPo. Yeah. You know, I, I knew that it was... That, well, and that's why we wanted to cover it. Yeah, fact. maybe it's worth saying, like, by the way, we're not here to be like, Passengers is great. We're dragging this shit. Like... Real hard, okay? I, having seen this movie now, I was completely unprepared for how bad it was going to be. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that I was going to watch a movie that had the gender politics of, like, an a early 90s rom-com where I, like, shift uncomfortably in my seat and I'm like, Yeah, no, or even, like, His Girl Friday. Like, a little, you know. Yeah, like, just, like, watching it and be like, oh, this was, like, acceptable in a different time, potentially. Or, yeah. uh, like, I was, I expected to be uncomfortable, but ultimately be like, okay, that movie was, like, you know, big budget. It, it, it sure. entertained me. And yeah. this movie is just a whole. Yeah. <laughs> It is yeah. jam-packed full of sexism, which I expected. Yeah. Whatever ism exists in the world that covers <laughs> hatred for innovation. Yeah. Cl- oh, classism. God. Classism. Yeah, a lot of classism. Andy. Oh, like, oh yeah. Andy Rooney-style old man complaining. Oh, my God. Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> and then the cherry, the, like, the mwah at the very top of this, of this crap-tastic Sunday is some casual racism just at the very end. You know. We haven't on, I don't guys. feel like we you know, we, they want to be holistic about being terrible. Absolutely. They they're just hitting all the marks, guys. That's all. <laughs> we're checking things, cool. we're checking boxes. We're checking the boxes. Put the tick in the box. That's what we're doing. Um okay. and yep. uh and now we're gonna do that as we unpack it over the course of this episode. Huzzah. So I think the place I want to start is with Jim, because for so much of this movie, and I would argue all of this movie, we are claustrophobically yeah. focused on this one very dull man. Um, I'd just also like to say that for as heavy-handed as this movie is about naming like their lead female Aurora, which, you know, Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty yeah. um, I genuinely think that they should have just gone ahead and named Jim Adam the first man to awake or whatever. Like, come well, on, guys. Missed opportunity. I know. And I dug into it a little bit. And so James and Jim um, come are derivative of Jacob, which means oh, which means yeah. predecessor. So yeah. I kind of like, but, but it's sort of mushy. Like, I don't yeah, really it's, know. It's more mushy than like Aurora being yes, the name of a, so like, much adult more- women in and like the future all right like i'm not saying you can't name someone aurora i'm just saying like let's all be honest here this is patently about you can't name someone aurora (laughs) come on i mean like i'm just saying if any podcaster uh if any of our listeners is named aurora it is a beautiful name gorgeous name otherwise i don't think that your mom named you that because she expected a dude to like roust you out of slumber literally to to be uh, his bride yeah Jesus. Anyway, I'm so sorry. Anyway. <laughs> <Take Yeah. Mary. laughs> so um, we first meet Jim um, with our eyes wide open to his predicament. This was actually like one of my biggest issues with this movie is that everything that was going to happen to them is shown to the audience beforehand. So we experience almost nothing from the from the perspective of our protagonists. Like yeah. we watch as the ship goes through the asteroid belt 
and we yeah. watch as the asteroid smacks against the hull and we watch as the computer fails and then we watch as he wakes up. Like, we already know. We already see all the other people asleep. There's no surprise here. We know what's yeah. happening. No, and, and they really could have done something way more interesting with, like, a, first, a lot of first person. I loved that that Jim immediately establishes himself as the type of casual down-home person that needs to yell at a robot for calling him James. And so, oh, my God. Right? <laughs> that's, like, the first thing he does. She's like, welcome, James. He's like, my name's Jim. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like... He's like, I am not pretentious enough for the name James. Call me by the more colloquial Jim. <laughs> After uh, Siri Alexa uh, corrects herself and starts calling him Jim, she tells him that they are, the ship has almost arrived to Homestead 2 and says, a new world, a fresh start, room to grow. And Jim heaves a big sigh of relief as if he is a corn-fed boy who can't wait to sprawl out in this world that belongs entirely to him. Yeah, let's colonize something else and take up a lot more room than we need to and use it inefficiently and then just cause the same problems as before. I'm sorry, what? I have no problem with this. Anyway. <laughs> this, is this is normal. This is normal. This um, is totally fine. We're just rewarding capitalism care. and colonization. Um, I don't even care if whatever. you would use it efficiently. You're still colonizing it. That's no, not, that enough is okay. We're, like, done. You're, you're over. destroying a planet and then you're... You're basically proving the Matrix right. Agent Smith said we were a virus. And you are literally being a virus right now, Jim. (laughs) Do you want to let Agent Smith be right? Do you? Huh? Do you? Jim is going to discover exactly 15 minutes into the film um, what the audience has known all along and figure out that he's utterly alone on this ship. And it has 90 years to go. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Lost in space. It's not like it's a trip or anything, you know? It's the first time anyone's ever it's, been lost in space. This wrong is place, not, wrong time. This is, not, uh, this is not a subject matter that has been covered, and I would no. argue much better in many. We didn't discuss this entirely in the movie Alien, which was amazing, by the Super way. Super good. Because, or, yeah. or so many Twilight Zones. Like oh my are, god! Like or I can, like literally lost in space, or, or like literally, literally just a million other things. We established early on that Jim is a mechanical engineer, and I literally said aloud, and I was watching this completely by myself. Great, this is going to be Dilbert in space. <laughs> yeah, and also I, I'm, I'm not sure that I was the fact that he calls himself a mechanic a bunch later on, which like eh, it's really I'm weird. Not, it's just weird because like being a Mechanical engineer is different, and I'm not saying mechanics aren't amazingly talented. They are. They can do things I cannot do. Um, take apart a car and put it back together and make it work better. But being one of those things, mechan- but like they are not the same thing. No, a mechanical so trying en- to play it like he's like some like blue call like. Yeah, good old Jim just wants to build a house. And, Maybe you know. they just wanted it to sound more futury, so they're like, in the future, all mechanics are engineers. But unfortunately, a mechanical engineer is a thing, you dodos. Yeah, and also, like, he clearly has a skill set of a mechanical engineer uh, from some of the shit he does later. Although he also doesn't have the skill set of a mechanical engineer, also, so I don't know. He also dresses like a mechanic, though, which we'll oh get to <laughs> for sure. All right, sorry. Um. But it wasn't Dilbert in space, I think is what I'm getting around to, because that would have at least been somewhat amusing in a 90s mm-hmm. comic kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, we find out that Jim is just just a good old boy, and he mm-hmm. wants 
He wants a new world because he's annoyed that people don't fix stuff on Earth. They just replace it. He likes to fix stuff. But on day one, the elevator is acting janky, and he never does anything about it. Like he's like, like, oop. Yeah. yeah, no, there's a lot of things that are broken that he doesn't, like, fix. Like, he doesn't do anything thing. about. He should be fixing shit. Like, I feel like if I were there, I'd be having a good time and hacking the shit out of that, you know. Like, and I'm not saying I'm an amazing hacker. I'm saying I have literally until I die to, like, figure out how to be good at this. So I would not be able. That's what I would do. I would have, I would have at least considered how terrible it would be if the like, anti-gravity elevator broke and I couldn't get out of it. And so I would oh have attempted God, right? to fix it. Or at the yep. very least been like, there are fire stairs somewhere? Like, yeah, there's got to be an alternate route. Can okay, I, I not this use this death trap? me. But like, yeah, exactly. Lots of things aren't working, but here's where I should go. Anyway, I'm sorry. (laughs) So for the first 25-ish minutes of this movie, uh, we watch Jim live out his first year on the ship. So Mm -hmm. true to his his self-professed nature... His first instinct is to fix, quote unquote, his situation through whatever means are are available to him, Um, which kind of translate into he tries to send an SOS message that is ultimately not effective and then tries to crack open the ship's bridge by throwing like every power tool he can imagine at it. To right. eventually do what? That's not clear to me. I don't know if he thinks he's going to turn the ship around or yeah, he wants to no. wake up the captain. Me either. And also, like, okay, I get it. But, like, I would have tried the wall at that point. Because, like, it seems like the door is, like, way reinforced. But the door is not, like, it doesn't seem like it's structured in a way that that's actually even the best way to break it. And it doesn't matter. Anyway. Yep. That's smart. Mm-hmm. I didn't even consider that. Because, like, yeah, the walls are just, like, plastic. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so those are his attempts. But when those mm-hmm. attempts fail, um, we watch as he starts to enjoy the amenities on the ship. So right, so he upgrades himself to a premium suite. He starts to become uh, overindulgent on food and alcohol. Um, and he plays the saddest video game I've ever seen oh in my, my whole God, right? life. It's sort of like a futuristic dance dance revolution where the dancers are holograms and like the scoring is really loose. And yeah. he basically just gets to dance with holograms, and they tell him he's not good at it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, fail. And somehow he gets better at it, but I don't really understand, like, what changes. So, like, you know, whatever. Anyway. Okay. So, of course, a man cannot live on endless sushi and K-pop alone. So mm-hmm. we start to watch Jim unravel. And he's wandering the halls unkempt and mostly nude. At this point. Because, you know, transformation requires you to first strip yourself down, guys. It's, you know. Yeah. Totes. And, and I understand, because being trapped alone on a ship would be hella scary. Everybody knows that this is a bad situation. You don't have to sell me on the no. existential dread that would happen to, that I would feel in this situation. I get it. No, like, I, I would have literally hacked the bartender so he could hang out with me everywhere I went so I was not alone. Like, that's I'm not, you know, smart. Like, yeah. I'm not unclear about, like, the fact that this is awful. It is awful. Everybody okay? knows it's awful. But the movie, awful. everybody knows it's awful. But the movie kind of goes out of their way to make it be, like, especially bad for poor old Jim. Like, this is especially poor, poor Jim. And so one of the ways it does this is the beginning welcome Siri Alexa 
tells him that he's waking up to new possibilities, new experiences, and new friends. And this is right after Jim has told her not to call him James. And he groggily murmurs, friends. So you know that this is like a huge motivator for him from the jump. That he wants to make friends. So this is particularly bad for him. And then another time, another Siri Alexa recites like a chipper little slogan where she's like, don't worry, we're all in this together. And then you pan to Jim's face, which is just like dropped to the floor, like just utterly, utterly ruined as a human being at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's like the movie is smugly confident that we're all going to relate to him in this moment. That we've all been promised community and understanding, but actually we're bitterly alone. Yeah, no. Which I think all mankind, like that loneliness is a human condition. Like I get it. Like everybody's lonely. It's like a primordial loneliness, as Audrey and Rich once put it. It's it's so fundamentally um, intrinsically a part of us that it's older than we are. Um, Oh, I love that. Yeah. I do feel like... uh, like these shots of like these giant spaces with just like one man, like you're, you're supposed to, it's supposed to all show how insignificant he is. Like he goes into space and cries. It's not because it's beautiful. You know what I mean? I mean, I didn't think that he was crying about the beauty. I felt like he was crying about like the fact that like, he's just a tiny dot floating through a giant universe and is insignificant. Um, So insignificant that he has to uh, prove his significance by having someone bear witness to his life. <clears throat> Whoa, that is, boom. That is it right there. Yeah. Um, but before he does that, yeah. he does have some other some other companions, some other compadres on the ship. Um, because it's all just like peppered with these automated beings. Yeah. Um, One android and a bunch of like automatons. Yeah. And they're all, like, cheerful and, like, crushingly unhelpful. Oh, my God, right. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, so there's all these, like, kiosks all over the ship that, like, are supposed to help you out. And every time he talks to him, they're, like, just, like, chirping away that the hibernation pods are fail-safe. And he's like, but I'm awake! <laughs> like, constantly. We see that scene play out a bunch of times. Oh, my God, so many times. Like, and literally, when he finally talks to an android about it, like... The android glitches because it really shouldn't have happened. I'm like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's just insane. And then there yeah, are that these. Noise you just made that was the one. <laughs> yep. And then there are all these like cleaning bots that just look like big jumbo back massagers that are like running yes. all over the <laughs> No, they really do. It's crazy. <laughs> and they're just like slurping up Captain Crunch left and right. <laughs> oh my god! Right? Like he. So so Jim, we see evolve into like an old man essentially. Um. And that old man, like, is shouting uh, at the, like, kids on his yard, but the kids are, like, robots, and then afterwards immediately regrets sending away his potential robot friends, so throws cereal at them so that they'll come back. I don't know. It was all Yeah, it It is. It was all very. It was all very, is all I'm going to say. It's all very. (laughs) And it was not just cereal. It was definitely Captain Crunch. No, I believe it. It I believe you. Definitely. I clocked that CC action right from the start. 
<laughs> I have never seen. A Do you think so- that they were a big sponsor of the movie Passengers? I maybe. I think maybe Captain they Crunch. I think maybe they were, and then they saw it, and they were like, "Oh, you know what? No, don't mention our name." So then they like pulled all the branding, but then they had all these scenes of him just like monging down on some Eating CC. So they were like, they were like, "Well, I guess we're just gonna keep it in, but like we won't show the box. It's fine." Uh, That's hilarious. Amazing. I have never seen a sci-fi movie that hates technology this much. Oh my god, right? And it has like the worst design technology. Like, so here's we've mentioned this before. Mary and I both work in design. Mm-hmm. Um, it was distractingly bad how the poorly m- this technology was designed. And like, the, the menus. Way- it was just so lazy. Yeah. Well, and no, everything about it and the way that they interface with one another and how like they're capable of some things and just not others and like Oh, just, yeah, all of it. It just, yeah, it was a lot. And just the way it looks, like, I mean, how lazy are you that you're like, well, we're going to make this cleaning robot, I don't know, like a bag massage? (laughs) (laughs) Right? I guess. This interface, let's just have these, like, same, like, uh, icons that are, you know, just They're just They're not differentiated, they're uh, not usable to use, and, uh... We'll just cycle through them randomly while you're talking to us. Oh my god, the, t- it's normal. The whirling menus, because right, like I don't, oh I, I'm not an industrial designer, unfortunately, because that would be a cool job. But instead, uh, I, you know, I'm a UX designer, user experience designer. So like menus, particularly, like I particularly pay attention to them in movies, and these are yeah. some of the worst, of the worst, because they're just menus upon menus upon menus. They never, right. they never get to any like content. It's just, it's just awful. It's awful. Yeah, I I think you're right. I don't think that there is another sci-fi movie that hates technology more than this one. Um, Even movies that are like, all the robots are going to kill us are like, you know what? Cell phones are useful. Like, this movie movie very much uh, is is the opposite. And I hadn't, you know, it's funny. I hadn't thought about that until I just said it. But like, because I I thought about how terribly the technology was designed. um, But you're right. Like, it is. It's so intentional. That is clearly. um, Yeah, it's It's, a statement about. It's a statement. The evils. The of evils. technology it and is. automation. Yeah. And, and how not... we're just replacing things and not fixing them. That's mm, a good old-fashioned way. And not yep. only is the automation just portrayed as being profoundly clumsy and ineffective, it's also, like, annoying and nagging and, like, saccharine. And it's yep. just Jim repeating himself and getting trapped in endless loops of canned responses this movie is like if you watch two hours of just a man yelling at hold music. <laughs> and if yeah. you find yourself like, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I I have tangled with a, t- a cable company in my day. You know, I know it's annoying, but I always know that if I get to the point where I need to yell at the hold music, I just should need to hang up. Like, I need to step away. Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah. These, no, it's not worth it. But this movie would really like us all to yell more at hold music. Like at the first, yeah, right? at the first hint that we might be exposed to hold music, we need to immediately start screeching. That's what they well, want, and that's the thing. Like they just want every all every action Jim has to feel laced with futility, yeah. and like and that's like that's what yelling at hold music is. It's it's yelling at your existential dread that like. You don't have any control over this situation. So I do think it's worth mentioning that some of these automated beings on board are coded as masculine. Some of them have male voices, for example. Um, Did we see any of their coded as feminine? Oh, like yeah. explicitly? Oh, I mean, oh. other than all of all of the hum- all the Siri Alexas. You're right. Well, 
and okay so here's what here are the so at the beginning the tech the tech that really betrays jim are all coded as female two serial exes as you mentioned are both visual are literally women then there are two more there's the galactic like switchboard operator that takes the the sos message and he's like trying really hard to like be like measured and level and like keep it together but you can tell that he's like there's like a little bit of hope creeping in and then she smashes it down the switchboard operator like lets him have that incredibly vulnerable moment and start letting little little bits of hope creep in that this the situation is temporary and he's going to get out of this and then she's like yeah haha it's going to take 55 years for anyone to like receive your message and respond and also it's going to cost you six g's also i've already charged you six g's is what she basically says all of that is just like and so there's another but there's another there's another uh female that consistently uh consistently crushes him and that is the breakfast automat (laughs) the breakfast bar oh my god right who has a female voice and she's just a real bitch about what coffee he deserves yeah. <laughs> she's just like she's always offering him all these breakfast options but because he is the lowest like the steerage he can only mm-hmm. get plain coffee but she always is dangling them. So yeah, all... and there's no cream or sugar either. Like it's just plain black coffee which I mean, don't get me wrong, I can drink plain like you know, this is not the end of the world, but but if it's it my is last... insult to injury. Yeah, if it's my whole life I I would like some options. There is there is a singular robot that is unlike any of the other robots on board, and that's Arthur that I think we should talk about. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who, again, I'd like to say I would have made my best friend. Like, I would have taken him everywhere I want. Because I, in this, I think Arthur's charming. He is charming. In this bleak little world, he's, like, cheeky and a little bit posh in a way I like. I like, yeah, I no, like Arthur perfect. a lot. He's literally, like, and also he's like, you're a whiskey man, which I'd like every bartender to say to me except you know they don't have to call me ma'am but you know like you look like you want a whiskey because yes. that's always the answer yes yes i would yes Thank i you. would well but it's also funny though because you know jim wasn't a whiskey drinker he just like looks in those early days with arthur he looks to arthur to offer him a guidance on how to be in his new world so when yeah. arthur's like you look like you want a whiskey on the rocks he's like yep and it's also what i'm gonna drink for the rest of the movie uh arthur um is however not fully human um, oh my and, god! And they all everyone treats Arthur like garbage about it. It's true, um, and he's not fully, and specifically, he's not fully male. <laughs> yeah, he no, he doesn't have a dick. Because I initially thought, like you know, like if I were a dude, I'd probably just get a little gay with Arthur, and I was like, oh no, like he literally, you know, yeah, I don't. Also, I'm not suggesting you should rape robots. I'm. I'm but maybe, bat. but maybe Arthur is capable of consent. We don't know. Right, exa- exactly. We don't even exactly. explore we don't know. it. Yeah. yeah. So because he's because he's only half a man. And I kind of saw him as representing sort of like not quite human enough company that you fill your days with, like when you're like on the toilet and you're watching YouTube videos, for example, yeah. or like you listen to podcasts during your commute, or even. Like us. Like us. You could listen to our podcast. We could be not quite human enough for you. Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) And then, and even sometimes people fill this role where you have like Tinder matches that are strictly for sexting. Speaking of dick pics, we got to, well, I want to actually dig more into Arthur's wheels. Yeah, let's, let's do it. So he's only a humanoid from the waist up. Mm Mm-hmm. 
He doesn't have a dick or a butt, one assumes. And they even lampshade it later. Like, Jim talks later about how he, like, didn't wear pants for a month when he was all alone. And Arthur's like, oh, that was tough on me. And then Aurora is like, but you don't, I mean, you're lacking in that department, too. So they draw your attention to the fact that he doesn't have a dick. Yeah, no, they make it very clear that he's, yeah. I sexless less than what do you, yeah what do you make of that I mean I feel like it was uh, a way of like I think it genuinely is a way to keep uh, us from feeling too connected to Arthur and I think that they also drive that home with some clumsy writing where literally both Aurora and Jim have to talk about how like you're not even human like you don't yeah. even have feelings they're always Which, remind- watching Westworld right now I'd like to say um felt like a real dangerous thing to do so um you know (laughs) oh man if this movie had just been like arthur being like like a a panning shot sort of like the end of the shining and then you see that like aurora and jim are both lying like dead stabbed with like robot implements at the end and he's just like like, polishing a glass i'd be like i get it arthur you put up with those two jags for a really long time oh Um, my god right for literally ever and he's and he like and then maybe he could like kind of like chuckle to himself and be like peace at last <laughs> so i find it strange the ship is completely devoid of male figures true male figures yeah even even robotic ones that could potentially like so you could say that this leans into claustrophobia of jim and eventually aurora as like the last two people on earth yeah. um but we have so many holographic like female figures yeah that it seems weird yeah that the only representation of a male we have um, is a unit like, true ways yeah yeah, so I kind of feel like, and, and we'll get to this too, because there's another character that comes in, another male f- figure that does eventually come on board. Um, but this movie so narrowly focuses on Jim as being the only complete male that it really shies away from potentially interesting storylines. For example, becoming a little bit gay with Arthur. Like, that would be yeah. interesting. No, it really would be, and that's, you know, but, yeah, they totally um, cut that off from being a possibility. Or, like, anyway. and they, they like, there's no other possible males that could threaten Jim's entitlement to having, like, ultimate domain oh, of the ship. Totally. No, you're absolutely right. Um, I hadn't thought of it quite exactly like that, but, yeah, like, Jim, by, by always saying, like, well, you're not really human, you don't even feel this, like, he is reasserting himself as, like, the um yeah manifest destiny this is this is his this is his he gets to be king of the ship and there is no there's not even anyone who would could even consider giving him a run for his money which you would think that aurora would throw a monkey wrench in that and yet <laughs> she doesn't. and yet <laughs> she super not doesn't not at all Ugh, I'm tired of jim can we start talking about aurora which will only lead us I back to talking about love jim. to talk about aurora we meet Aurora as she catches Jim's eye as he's wandering despondently among the hibernation pods after resisting the urge to kill himself by getting sucked into the vacuum of space. Yeah. That's, like, I love that, like... That's yeah. what happens. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. After crying about his insignificance in the universe. It's not an unhealthy feeling to feel, like, uh, uh, insignificant in the way that, like, you know... All you have are your actions and, you know, be kind to people is all I'm saying. I did. I do want to go back. You mentioned that uh, when he's floating in space, it's not like uh, it's not like I I see the whole world and like my eyes are opened to possibilities that I didn't even know were possible. 
Yeah. Before, and you were, you know, said that like it's, it's more about his insignificance. And what a waste. What a goddamn yeah. waste. Well, and that's the thing. So, like, later on, like, uh, the first time, I know I'm skipping ahead. He, yeah, the first time he takes um, Aurora uh, there, he's like, oh, best show in the house. And it's like, dude, you, I've never seen you enjoy this. Yeah. I've only seen you, like, be miserable about it in a way that, like, I don't know, like that moment where it was like, you can go into a spacewalk. I think that would be a moment where I'm like, I know that my life could be better and less lonely, but God, what a way to live. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. Like that would be, I think an affirming thing for me, the way that it is when Aurora is there to share it with him, because you know, he needs a a person to To, make him feel less insignificant. To witness his life. Oh. That's just so yeah. – that hits the hail, nail so directly on the head. It, I can't even – it's beauty and it's poetry. Thanks, girl. <sighs> You're just so smart. Anyway. You're so smart. Oh, we're both so smart. <laughs> this is how you support other people, by the way. You this just, is how like, you lift and, people you know, up. Yeah. This is you, how you are – You just acknowledge their power. Like, yeah. We're also really super beautiful. Anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Not that that matters, but it's just like, it's, you know, it's another thing it's, that we're, we're good at. We're just throwing it out there. It's just like an extra thing. So, so, uh, Jim starts hanging out with Aurora in her sleep pod, um, which is, yeah, like, just which watching is... a sleeping woman and watching an unconscious woman and falling in love with her by creating and constructing a personality in his head to match like the few artifacts he has about her life. Yeah. You know? But it's definitely played for laughs when he like comes and has breakfast with her and like pops his C- his uh Captain Crunch bowl up on her sleep pod. Like it's supposed to be yeah. funny, I think. Like that's what I the think... movie is telling us. That yeah. it's funny, but it's not funny. Yeah. No, it's creepy. It's like literally creepy. Let's, AF, so, you know. so he says that he falls in love with her by watching all these weird confessional cam interviews. Let's talk about those things. <laughs> so we do learn two things, primary things about Aurora through these videos. Mm-hmm. One is that she's quote unquote funny mm-hmm. when she's like, oh, I couldn't live without coffee. She goes full Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. And it's the best. Like, yes. And apparently Jim Sorry. is just like, oh, she's funny. You're funny. He tells her that. Like, he looks at yeah, her no, sleeping pod. He literally pod. looks at her sleeping pod and it's like, you're funny. Oh, my God. And oh, that, gosh. And that also that she loves uh, New York City. And I loved this part. She's like, give me a cup of coffee and a view of the Chrysler building and I can write all day. Yeah, which is. I'm, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a view of the. Yeah. She's like, I'm really. She's like, hi, I'm Aurora. Just the Chrysler building. I just, you know, there's something erotic about that one building in New York. If you like pina coladas (laughs) and unobstructed views of the Chrysler building, (laughs) what? It's so weird. But I think ultimately what we're supposed to glean from this is that she's a city gal. She likes her Starbucks and she likes her Chrysler building. It's very weird. Um, And then the other thing we learn is that she is following in her father's footsteps as a writer. She says that her father always pushed her to live an extraordinary life so she could write about extraordinary things, which is why she's on board and traveling to the colony world. And her plan from there is absolutely insane to me. Like, Mm -hmm. her plan is that she's going to go to this colony world. She's going to live there for, like, a year. Yeah, one year. One year. And then one year. It's very, it's like, it's very touchy in this movie. The one year. Yeah. 
And then she is going to board another colony ship, presumably coming in that time frame, and return back to Earth. So she will, by the time she gets back to Earth, she will be 250 years in the future. Consider what mankind was doing 250 years ago. Yeah, no, I, there's, there was nothing about that. And she's like, I'll be living in the future. I'm like, girl, I just kind of, you know, life right now is enough. I don't, I have no idea what the hell's going on in 120 years, much less 250 years. Like, no, thanks. Hard pass. Hard pass. And also you would be like, so she's like, and everyone will be reading my writing. No, they won't. No, they won't. Because it'll be, it would be like if. You came back and you were like, well, I've written something. Like, this would be like if you came back and you're like, the Declaration of Independence is going to be a national bestseller. Like, the way yeah, that no, she... absolutely. You're the... right. That is, like, literally the best comparison. Like, if in the 1970s, someone were like, and then I wrote an in-depth article about how the Declaration of Independence started. No Same. one's going to care because it's going to read, like, the Canterbury Tales. Like, there's going to be yeah. a very small subset of mankind who is interested in hearing what you had to say about this experience and, like, learn your dialect and way of talking enough to oh actually God, no, understand. Absolutely right. It's insane. Yeah, you're this absolutely stu- right on, like, all points. <laughs> this no, is the stupidest stupid. idea I've ever heard in my whole life. So it really drove me crazy that Aurora never unravels the way Jim does when she first is woken up. Like, she's kind of okay. So instead, her story arc is that she wakes up and she's like kind of wan about not getting to write her insane story and take and do this insane plan that she has. Yeah, and this gambit that like who like that will almost definitely not pay off. But yeah, For, or, or like to what end? You're gonna be like a caveman in your 30s living oh with God. with like advanced right? people. That sounds awful. <laughs> like that just so sounds awful. awful in so many ways. You'll like, be like you'll be like you'll be trotted around. And, like, shown Mm -hmm. to people as a curiosity. It'd be horrible. It's, like, the worst idea of all time. Mm -hmm. So instead of, like, so she has kind of some wan thoughts. And she's like, I'm probably going to die aboard this ship. And she tries to, like, she tries some things. But basically Jim is like, nope, tried it. Nope, tried it. Nope. It's all hopeless. And then instead (laughs) of, like, being like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Or, like, maybe I'll find that out for myself. She just launches into, like, doing a bunch of, like, meet cute activities with Jim. Like, yeah, that's what no, she totally. does. Yeah. And that's insane because... Yeah, her entire personality is defined by, like, her interaction with him. Yeah, and that's insane because, like, for this person, that would be like if you and I woke up tomorrow and we only had one other stranger to live with. Like, she yeah. did, for her, from her perspective, she did go from, like, having a bustling life to now, like, a claustrophobic, tiny little life with this yeah, one no, other person. Yeah, she's stranded on an island with... The stranger danger. She, like, half-asses all the kind of the same things that Jim does. You see her fighting with a kiosk. You see her, like, attack the bridge door. Like, all those things. Yeah. But it's like, she gives up basically right away. And the movie... Well, that's because she's a weak woman. Um, and her gestures are futile. So, apparently, the movie seems to me to be saying that Jim can give her everything she needs. And he even builds her a tiny Chrysler building that she can crouch by while she writes. Yeah, which, okay, I'm I'm not gonna lie. 
a little bit cute to me. Pretty um, romantic, but how did he know that? Then she would be well, like, no, it's it's super creepy. Um, <laughs> Aurora's motivations and personality are left mysterious. <laughs> well, and we're also like she's so she's of an upper class than Jim, and she's more cynical than Jim, and she is less open and loving than Jim, and like you know he's like a creator and a builder, and she's just like a I don't know like yeah. like she needs Jim to like you know infuse her with life, like open up her heart and fill it. You know, it's the first time she doesn't feel alone. Yeah, he cracks Whoa. her. He apparently cracks her like a walnut. I, uh, the, the intention to make her rich and like a gold member and Jim working class is so obviously intentional. And also, let's be real here. Jim is not working class. If Jim no, is a mechanical, if he's a mechanical engineer, like what the hell are we even least, talking about? He's at least middle class. So oh they don't even, they won't even take that risk. Ugh. I also thought it was really funny that when Aurora first meets Jim, she's like, are you the crew? Like it's totally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's very over the top. It's very yeah. over the top of the fact that, it's like, she's like... of a different world than he yeah. is. Um... Right. Well, so Aurora is very amused by sort of their class differences, I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's what I want to say. Like, he's he's talking to Arthur, and he's like, she, like, perfect girl. Like, she's writing just for me. Like, we're meant to be, and she's out of reach. And, like, when she wakes up and starts writing she talks about how like literally they would have never gotten together I if know, it wasn't as for if... like them being the last people on earth and like shows it to him like this like a flattering thing to write by the way yeah. he's like this is amazing he's like oh I love this as I if, love this I also love attractive white people having sushi for breakfast oh being like can you imagine that we would ever get together I'm like yeah yeah, yeah I, I can I can. yeah everything about I this I sure can everything, yeah. everything about this yeah <laughs> Um, I do. I also think it's funny that like the more the movie progresses, the more Jim like dresses down. Like initially, he's like he's like, "Ooh, I'm wearing a leather jacket. Ooh, you got a yeah. cool jacket." And then like at the end, he's like literally wearing Carhartts covered in grease. But for most of the movie, yeah, she's wearing like like chinos and like a silk top, and she and always heels. has heels and heels. She Which, wears like, so much heels in this movie. Yeah, it's kind of like Tippi Hedren and the Birds. Yes, which is why that yes. movie never scared me because, bitch, why are you wearing heels and matching handbag in every scene when everybody's getting killed by birds? birds. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I'm not gonna worry to death like maybe take off the high heels i i'm not gonna worry about you tippy until you throw on some keds is what i'm yeah, saying right like, like you clearly are not having that hard of a time no <clears throat> sneak up sneak up or suck it up because i don't i don't care um <laughs> um i love that that's a phrase sneak up or suck it up <laughs> i also like that their class differences basically only matter at breakfast time so, oh my god right like that's only time it matters like black coffee sir but otherwise you're good you can have yeah. anything you can have yeah. a french restaurant yeah yeah no 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 nothing is stopping you from eating at any of the many restaurants that you will never have to pay your debt because you will be long you're dead. gonna die yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um but like at breakfast time you have to eat this protein cake and black coffee unless you're rich in which case you can get what he calls french puff but then appear to be hexagonal pancakes Weird. Yeah, no, like literally, like and, yeah. And then dragon fruit. They were like, "Ooh, it looks spacey." Cute <laughs> dragon fruit. What's right. more spacey than that? Yeah, Ugh. exactly. Mary, tell me how you really feel about this movie. <laughs> Ugh, is how I really feel about it. So, 
it's really a, one of the really dark the darkest thing about Aurora is that you basically have to always define her by the two males that she interacts primarily with in this movie. And yeah. so like Arthur's advice to Jim is can't control your surroundings. So manifest the world you want now. And that is what Jim does. He yeah. tinkers with the robots and he starts to grow roses and trees for God knows what reason. So while Jim is like manifesting the world he wants to see Aurora just writes like she would on earth. And falls in love with Jim. That's those are her things that she does to keep her time to keep herself busy. Um, which I think paints Jim as being very capable and encouraged. To is, yeah, he's like he's, she's superfluous. Yeah, so she's encouraged to shape the world in something he wants. Whereas, um, you know, Aurora is is kind of disposable. She's only really there for Jim, and really, Jim is the reason for her to be. And you get and and the only so like to contrast uh, Arthur's advice with Jim with the only piece of advice he ever offers Aurora is after she finds out that Jim woke her up and is kind of is is reeling from that betrayal. She mentions yeah. to Arthur that her life and her work now feels purposeless. Like she doesn't even know what to do with herself. And Arthur kind of like tuts and says, well, time heals all wounds. So that's the only mm -hmm. piece of advice he gives her. You're going to get over this. Is the only piece of advice. So that the her only purpose to live is to be with Jim. That is her whole point. So why does it go so over the top with all of this? Here's what I Tell think. Tell me. Tell me why. So this movie bestows Jim with personhood. And does that by allowing him to control his environment that he's enforced he's forced into. He he might be stuck, but he has he has his hand on the rudder and he can like move his life in a way that is pleasing to him and ultimately gives him a sense of purpose in this world, right? Right. But strictly avoids tipping it into a place where he could be a com a, a complicated and unlikable protagonist. Like we're not yeah. we're not talking about a Walter White here. Yeah. The movie is actually terrified that we will not like Jim and throws the narrative fully under the bus instead to avoid having us not like Jim. Yeah. We see, and that's why the movie is told so aggressively through his perspective, even though that's a way worse way to tell the story. The way to tell Absolutely. the story is to start when she wakes up. And yeah. you don't know what's going on, and Absolutely. she should be the main character. Wins. Right, yeah. right. So then we feel the betrayal, and we feel the isolation, and we feel all that stuff. We are so protected from any of that that it's so we don't like – it's so that we – It becomes flat. Right. It comes so flat. It does not feel real. It, it, it really is a detriment to the narrative, and it's all done so that we don't hate Jim. And that sucks <laughs> because yeah, we should. Yeah, we should. No, because that's the thing. Like, listen, I'm not saying what I would do in this situation. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying we are analyzing a piece of media and we're talking about autonomy. And what Jim does, he literally chooses to kill her rather than um, be alone. And uh, uh, screw you, bro. That's all I'm going to say about that. If I, if I were going to sentence another person to death, I would at least... 
at least expect some people to think I was a pretty bad person for doing that. Oh, I but I think it's actually very despicable that they don't lean into the creepiness of all of this. No, yeah, that they like give them a pass a million times over. Yeah, I particularly want to talk about the sex that they have yeah. in this movie. Oh my god, yeah, please, please lead that, uh, lead the way. If they don't want it to be that Jim woke her up basically to be like a sex play thing, instead. They make it so that Aurora initiates every time they have sex. They do that. So the first time it's when she like strips off her clothes to get in the space suit and like sexily kicks her dress between his feet. And he's just like standing there looking at the wall like with his hands in his pockets like, oh, shucks. That is so annoying. Good guy Jim didn't turn around and look. Great. Great, guys. Like. Again, this... You don't get mm, points for that, Jim. You don't get points for not raping women. You don't get points for, like, not looking at them naked when you're in yeah, that incredibly you vulnerable don't... situation after you've woken them up in space alone and, like, literally, like, you were the last person on the planet. And this reminds me of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the dentist system, where he always talks about, like, <laughs> if you're on a boat and, like, you try to have sex with a woman, it's like, well, there's that implied, you know, threat that, like, you know, you're alone on a boat. So all I'm saying is, Jim knows the implied threat. And yes, it is creepy when Dennis says that. It's supposed to be creepy. And in this movie, I don't think it's supposed to be creepy. No, no. We are supposed to... We are supposed to think that he is the romantic who's telling her how He's beautiful, cute and charming, yeah. and and when he tells a robot her, her on a date, she's like, "Why didn't you ask me sooner?" And so oh she's so into God. it, guys. Like it's totally cool. Ugh. Of course, she has literally no idea what's going on because he's taken away her autonomy and not given her any free will. Also, not given her uh, the full story, so you know, whatever. Well, no opinions. Obviously. Yeah. Well, and so even like when that scene where she crawls across the table like a sexy panther and like jumps oh on God. him, right? <laughs> like Jesus. at breakfast, which is a, a new sexy scene. cartoon panther because no one moves like that. No, okay? I'm sorry, no. guys. Maybe, maybe you all are blessed with someone who mimes being a sexy cartoon panther for you and like climbs over tables, but like. This is not real life. This is not real life, guys. This is not real life. Not at all. Like, that was that was ridiculous. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, while the rest of us are, like, running our our tongues over our, our teeth in the morning being like, is my breath too bad to initiate sex right now? Right. <laughs> she, is, she is crawling sexily, pantherly across the table. And she does I wonder it. if she has heels on in that moment. I think she does. She, su- she a- No, actually, I noticed that. That's actually when I first noticed their clothes. She's wearing, like, a Prada leather wedge. She is wearing it. She's elevated. Um... And she does it because he tells her that she's the most beautiful woman she's he's ever seen. That's what like elicits this. And I think it's really gross that she's always the sexual like aggressor. But then the movie like consistently shows us that they are going to have normal, good, more moral straight people sex because Jim always ends up on top. Yep. After Aurora realizes that Jim has doomed her to a terrible fate. Arthur, um, well, first Jem tells Aurora it's her birthday, and she's like, oh, it is. So, like, who knows if it's actually her birthday. Aurora, like, Aurora may or may not know when her birthday is, is what we're yeah, getting around. It's really bizarre. And then, like, they go to, um, the fancy to restaurant. The bar and, uh, Jim makes some comment about Aurora's age because, you know, of course he does. And Arthur's like, as a gentleman, I would not ask a lady her age. And she was like, oh, I have no secrets. Jim and I have no secrets. And Arthur looks at Jim, is like, 
hey, bro, Jim. is that true? And Jim's like, you heard the lady and after skips Jim, away. After Jim has literally talked to Arthur and been like, if you ever tell her, I will kill you. <laughs> so, yeah, right? so basically, Arthur looks at him with like this like stricken look and is like, I can tell the secret that, and and Jim's like, whatever you want, wheelie, <laughs> and like, no, I'm not so yeah, he's like, I, I need to tell her the truth. I need and to it's her birthday. Or, I need to pop. Or, I need to pop off and drop a deuce so I can propose. I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So um, obviously, Aurora is creeped out, and her whole life kind of like falls apart when she realizes that this guy who's just like her meat cute is actually a creepy ass jackass who was like sentenced her to death so that he's not alone because she's hot you know let's yeah. let's just tell it like it is guys let's is let's be real gross real. and weird now so... that it, now that it's just us friends let's, let's no, get it's real, just real. Us friends. what i found so shocking about her unraveling like we get to see like kind of a li- more layered approach to jim's unraveling but she just goes big and stays big like oh my god yeah nobody at this stage of the game it sort of feels like they're like all right all right we're rounding we're rounding it out we can't we don't have time for any nuance so everyone's just gonna have no time to process anything or feel conflicted least of all the audience basically her initial reaction is what she sticks to until extreme external factors happen that somehow change her mind like there's no emotional processing in this movie and it makes her seem so fake and so like just like a bundle of like crazy chaotic emotions that you don't even know anything about so she like comes into his room while he's sleeping and good old jim's just sleeping in bed and she starts like punching him because she's a woman and futile it doesn't have any effect like she's not hurt at all stands on the bed and kicks him with her full might like punishingly in the chest and stomach and punches down like those sort of things he's not affected at all at all weakest person like she couldn't defend herself at all if he really wanted to he could like kill her in that moment but he doesn't want to because he's a good guy so then she picks up a big blunt instrument and he just raises his hands up like that's fine you do what you need to do and so then she doesn't bash my head in to do it it. yeah right because i'm the nicest guy in the world and then she screams she primarily screams and throws it down which is honestly how i felt in that moment too oh my god no for sure that was relate relatable that she was about this whole process. <laughs> yeah, just like, I no, I don't want to kill you, but not because I don't want to kill you, but because I don't want to be a murderer, but like, God, you deserve to die. But right you now. are such a murderer! Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you, and... are, you are actually it. So, I think another reason that we're not supposed to really feel totally terribly sorry for Aurora is that she herself does not think she has any control over her life. To the point where she drops the titular, I guess, word of this movie. Mm-hmm. she has that moment where it's like it's before the breakup where she's sort of like musing about her and Jim getting together and she says we all pretend that we're captains in control of the paths our lives follow but actually we're carried by fate we are passengers and yeah this movie's real it's got a real hard on for fate is all <laughs> it really does and like in like a way that I haven't really seen for a movie that doesn't prominently feature a dragon in a long time oh my god right <laughs> Like, no, for sure. Like, like I'm getting a lot of like. I love that qualifier. <laughs> yeah. I just, it's just ridiculous. And then, so she, I mean, I know it's like generalized. She like says we. She's generalized into humankind, but like it mostly applies to her. Yeah. No. And the thing is, like, it that isn't fate. Like that that guy literally 
no, that guy is not fate. Like that's he made he chose he made choices. <clears throat> what about when he talks to her on the intercom? Oh my god. Yeah, so she doesn't want to talk to him and so she's like running, so he like finally has hacked some sort of system. Um which like again, like I'm so I think unimpressed his, by I think Jim's, his hack like, might have been like he opened a door and realized there was an intercom inside. <laughs> Like, literally, this is just, like, bullshit garbage. And so she won't talk to him. So he literally broadcasts through the entire ship. So she has to hear him about, like, how sorry he is or whatever. I don't even know. Like, doesn't he say that, like, yeah, no, he it's says worse he's sorry, than that. but. It's yeah, worse okay. than that. So first of all, he tells her that he was on the brink of suicide and that oh my her, God, right. her, him waking her up saved his life. Yeah. And that, don't worry, like, though, it wasn't just her rock and bod that he wanted. He also super fell in love with her words and her mind, so he did the homework. And he explains in these, like, very measured, very slow, very, like, controlled tones that he really wished he hadn't done it. He would take it back if he could. But he can't. So now they've just got to make the best of the situation. He's just going to, he doesn't want to lose her, so they got to figure something out. Yeah. Because she's totes. trapped. And she's, she's trapped, so she... She, no, at this point, she's literally a hostage. And then Aurora's uh, reaction to this intercom message that she's oh God, forced right? to listen to. So she's running, like she's exercising. And so she's like running up these ramps and running down these ramps. And her face is turning really red. And she is hysterical because she always is hysterical now. And she screams that she doesn't care. And like, that's it. So you have... This measured person giving, like, yep. like presenting, like, logic. A logical argument and about, then you, like, just, you know. And then you have the hysterical woman. Who's right. so pissed. Right. She can't even listen to logic. And it made me feel so queasy because, like, what he does to her in this moment is emotional rape. And then what yeah. the movie does by having, by having her respond like a lunatic is invalidating her feelings and her personhood. Like, they strip yeah. her of it in that moment. It's such a pivotal scene and yeah. was the worst. Like, I... Every, you, no, you... I don't think we're supposed to empathize with Aurora. No, um, not in that I moment. we're supposed to think she's kind of a bitch at this point, which, honestly, I didn't, uh, personally, but that's because I was still real hung up on what a monster gym is. So, yeah. you know. There is the movie some... wasn't working for me. It was, it was trying to tell me one thing, but I was not buying it. So there is one thing. There is one person that I definitely think is a bitch in this movie, and that's Aurora's best friend on Earth. <laughs> oh my God! Right? Yeah. So right after this, um, she's like looking through these videos, like, and I really, I really think that's a timeline. Like this happens, and then she looks through it these is. videos. Yeah. Um, and it's like all of her friends being like, "Oh my God, we're gonna miss you. You're the uh, best." Oh, Aurora, what are we gonna do without you? I'm like, yeah. I mean, what what are we gonna do without Aurora's hot takes on the Chrysler Building? Oh, oh my God, right? No, and then like, yeah, and so then they go to like her best friend. It's like I'm gonna think about you every day, and then she she says, "You were never happy here. Nothing was ever enough for you. Ugh. I hope you finally find someone who fills your heart, and I hope you let him in. I hope you realize. I you hope don't you let." him in i know i got so irritated about that i hope you realize you don't have to be to do something amazing to be happy have fun take chances i love you aurora okay let's just take a step back here like you were never happy nothing was ever enough from you her Basically, best friend is garbage her best friend's garbage this is the message your best friend would leave Find a better best friend, okay? Because yeah, or sucks. if this is a if this is the message your best friend leaves, I get why you wanted 
blast two to leap? 250 yeah, right? years into the future. Also, that her character then even further becomes defined by like her lack of romantic attachment. That's her best friend's takeaway about her life. This is what the movie is telling us, like that Aurora's reason to exist is to let somebody in. And yeah. we kind of this actually is the part that I I don't I keep saying like this is the worst part, but this part <laughs> This part of the movie, this part is the worst. The whole movie is the worst part, but this part is really gross. In that we start to see that at the start of their romance, certainly I feel Aurora's purpose was to give Jim company. That's what the movie told us, and that company allowed him to start creating the life he wanted to live. And it's lopsided because. Aurora, Jim doesn't really give Aurora anything except everything because it's what she he is her reason to exist. It's like so inclusive that there's not even something you could like pinpoint down as like what drives her. I guess she writes about him, but that's not even like, that's not, that's just kind of like fluff. Yeah. But then post breakup Jim remains motivated and a complete person. They make a big deal out of the fact that he continues to tinker around with his, like, fruiting trees and shit. And he stops drinking. I didn't... I honestly didn't pick up on him not drinking. Yeah. It's incredibly irritating to me, by the way. so irritating. So... What happens is she's sitting at the bar. It's when, like, they have that scene where she's sitting at the bar and then he comes and he's like, Arthur! And she's like, I get Arthur on Wednesdays. And he's like, it's Thursday. She's like, no, it's not. But then she allows Jim to take yeah, over. Yeah, then she's she like, leaves, which I don't, you know, I don't, bitch, if you're sure, like, uh, I would stand ground. Yeah. But, you know. So, yeah, and then he goes up and, uh, and uh, Arthur is like, do you want a whiskey? And he's like, no coffee and then he only drinks coffee for the rest of the movie so he gets the moral high ground i've watched it three times and i did not know that and i think maybe because i suppressed it (laughs) you're like you're like i can't you're like i can only stare into the void so far before i lose my mind (laughs) right so come on so aurora aurora by contrast stops writing her spirited double flips in the pool turn into catatonic floating she mm-hmm. and she like swigs down martinis like it's her job. So yeah, she, no, she's she's become a broken, haggard woman, by the way. Yeah, no, and she's also like garbage. She loses the moral high ground too because she's collapsing in the face of adversity as opposed to overcoming it, even though she is a victim. <laughs> <laughs> right, like even though like literally like she didn't ask for any of this and she's been lied to by a sociopath for like a like a year. You know, like literally a year. She was lied to by a sociopath and led to believe that like they just were like two people who were brought together by fate. But fate was um, uh, a man deciding what uh, her life should be. No, and so so suddenly suddenly her only options, literally her only options are, and this is how it is framed in the movie, forgive Jim, which equals choosing happiness or she can die. Those are the choices. Yep, that's it. It's literally it. It's literally it. So yeah, at this point in the movie, we uh we need a new character. Um, oh my god. Oh Gus. <clears throat> because who what what at this point in the movie you might be thinking to yourself, Aurora seems to need to learn some lessons. Who can give this to her in a way that a middle class, predominantly white audience perspective is like 
wise, but also very non-threatening. Ah, uh, yes. Very non-threatening. Lawrence Fishburne as a chief deck officer, Gus. Yeah, as a dying man. So, like, the opposite of threatening, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And we know like, he's, like, so sickly weak. from, like, second one. You also, know he's I mean? old. Also, he's black. Yeah. So there's no way she would ever be at all interested in attracted him. to him oh, or anything yeah no he's interrogating movies you're watching because this shit is garbage and if you don't then you are complicit in the garbage anyway so even though gus only occupies 14 minutes of this movie these are the things he accomplishes from my estimation mm-hmm. he has a creepy man-to-man talk with jim about how aurora is super hot and he thought jim was just lucky but now he knows that jim woke her up but which is bad but my year's a pretty long time Mm-hmm. Then he validates Jim's actions to Aurora by saying it isn't his business. First of all, first and foremost, it's not his yeah. business. Uh, and that, yeah. even though she is right, Jim, that Jim effectively has murdered her, that Jim is a drowning man. And it's just human nature for a drowning man to take someone down for company at the same time. Then, moments later, literally the next scene, we watch Aurora swimming in a pool where it loses gravity and she firsthand experiences what it feels like to be a drowning man. I'd like to talk here about how they present zero gravity. Yes, please! Um, Okay, so the way that lots of people do this that's very effective is they film people in water, you know? Right, because so you're kind of looks... like floating around. Yeah, yeah, and, and your whole body is kind of floating around, and that works. That makes sense. Um, in this movie, they have Lawrence Fishburne literally laying in bed and just his arms raise up, like <laughs> the way you would raise up your arms if you're laying in bed bouncing around in a way that's like clearly kind of cgi and not also the way that you would move in zero grad like i just don't understand why if they've done this successfully before they didn't just use any other filming technique and instead are just like and now Lawrence fishburne please just raise your arms you know what's probably the most offensive is probably they also shot j-law like against a green screen so she's probably also not in water even though she's literally supposed to be she's literally in water yes (laughs) literally supposed to be agreed um yeah so i'm just also that's not that's not how the water would work the water would break into a lot of little pieces that's what i'm saying like that whole like the water becomes a giant, like, ball of water that she can't escape from because she's a drowning woman and has to deal with, like, how scary that is because she needs to be taught a lesson because she didn't just accept this man's, like, um, opinion and perspective that she needed to be woken up and to exist, like, outside of the world she signed up for just because she was hot and he liked her. Yeah, that's what just happened, guys. We just punished a woman because she um, had a, uh, her own opinions about what her fate should be. Gus also does uh, the following things, which are quite amazing. He figures out what's wrong with the ship and comes up with a solution for how to fix it. He mm-hmm. shows Aurora how to use the medical base scanners auto dock and that Jim never bothered to show her. And, yeah, right. And Jeez. he gives our heroes quote-unquote access to his officer permissions level scanner bracelet which allows them to access more of the ship and eventually like fix what's going on yeah i do not give this movie any credit for being racially progressive because it does not deserve it because it is racist and the reason i believe it is racist is because they 
basically use Gus as a magical Negro. That is what he is in this movie. Yeah, no, it's the same trope we've seen a million other times. Uh, He's literally a plot device that does not have personhood or an existence and is, like, so, like, impotent by being sick that, like, he's zero-threatening and just disappears when we're done with him. He even, like, finishes it where he gives them all the tools they need to succeed and then removes himself from the situation via death so that our white protagonist can save the day unassisted. So they still get all the credit. I I find basically everything that happens after uh, Gus dies, like, the most, like, action-packed boringness. I just can't. Oh, my God, right. So, So basically, Jim and Aurora figure out that the reason the ship is breaking is because the meteor actually blew a hole in it so it's literally sinking, which I was like, I don't think that's how space works, but okay. It's definitely not how space works because uh, let's talk about how like life is, space is not linear. I know it's really easy for us to get confused about that, but like literally the point of space is you can move in every direction. So it's not like ships sink. Anyway. <laughs> but but we have this whole, we have this whole nautical thing. So we got to like carry it through. So, yeah. so basically... Jim has to go outside to open a door so that a heat vent can vent properly and the ship can continue to move forward. And this scene was, like, so annoying to me because Jim, like, crawls around on the outside of the ship in a spacesuit, effectively mm-hmm. finds this specific door that he needs, like, like seconds within after exiting. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Aurora, like... Is is like trying to is trying to hit a button, pull a lever, yeah, and like can't and like can't do it, and like so we see Jim like floating through space and like attaching lead lines and doing all this like really crazy stuff that normal people should not be able to do. Meanwhile, Aurora gets hit like with a tiny piece of shrapnel, yeah, and like falls to the ground and, falls and is totally incapacitated. Um, eventually, eventually, so of course Jim can't get back in the spaceship at the appropriate time and oh no, he's burned up. Oh no, he didn't. Oh no, now he's floating through space and his oxygen tank is running out. Oh, oh, but Aurora caught him. She grabbed his lead line. She drags him back inside. Woohoo! Oh no, but Jim is she... dead. <laughs> So, so she drags him over to the auto dock. Like, and know. he's revived through the auto dock. He, Jim realizes that because he has Gus's bracelet now, they make it very clear that it's not his fault because he didn't have Gus's bracelet before. Totally. But now he, he's he got... He was gosh. Like, gosh. He good. <laughs> yeah, he only had his poor boy bracelet. He didn't know. Um, He didn't re- realize that with using the auto dock, you can... uh re-enter suspended animation but there's only one of them not like they didn't even try to cram them both in there yeah there's only one autodoc again which is nonsense like two thousand people five thousand like, people five thousand people. people aboard this yeah ship. you're not gonna only have one autodoc on the entire ship like I'm sorry, guys. Like, I'm not. I'm not trying to be like a stickler. I understand suspended disbelief, but if you have five thousand people, you're not going to have one otter dock. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. There would be a med bay with a bunch of them, and I'm really yeah. sorry. I cannot drop this because it's ridiculous. Yeah, or and they won't even like do anything. Like, oh, but all the otter docks got fried except for this yeah, one. Also, like, remember that movie? That moment where Ripley like takes the cat and they both get into a pod together. Like, literally, I would just like. To I'm see pretty if sure they, they could both fit in the pod together. I yeah. think they could. Ooh. I would at least like a comedy scene where they try. 
like, no, that would be great. You know? Instead of just being like, oh, no, I guess we're just, I guess I'm just going to, you know, live here with you. Right. So instead, she chooses to live her life out as Jim's wife and write their story. Mm -hmm. That's what she decides to do. And they put more grass all over the place. The tree grows into a giant tree. We don't see them at the end. We just get to hear her story as all the passengers wake up. So basically what they do is, well, what Jim does and that she writes about is they terraform like the Shire in the middle of the ship. Mm-hmm. Like oh my it's, God, and it's like, oh, it has the Shire golden light and that's it. It does! Like, which, like what is Which he... there isn't like a sun? Yeah, and like who on earth? the light looked before. So like got a lot of questions. Yeah. Personally. And I think the reason they do this is, and you can tell like, you know, we've we've obviously touched on the fact this movie hates technology. What this movie does yeah. love is in fixing versus replacing. Um, mm-hmm. And oh my God. It, uh, it, it, because people aren't served by innovation, it seems to be directly looking to the past. And yeah. so what they do is they create, like, it, 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 they create this little farm and it's fetishizing the pastoral and villainizing urban life. Yeah. And they so, t- they tell you that at the beginning. At the beginning when the the uh, Siri Alexa is like, Earth, the cradle of civilization. But actually, it's overpriced, overcrowded, and overrated. Like, yeah. they're showing scenes of a city. And Jim is like, represents it like a farm boy. He's looking for somewhere that's green. And Aurora's a city girl who actually needs to learn what's really important. And take her place mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. in a in American Gothic in space. The movie is telling us we need folks like Jim who will do whatever it takes to claim a simpler life fueled by their own manifest destiny. It's like yes, it's like Green Acres only less charming, less self aware, and there's not a single Gabor <laughs> to be seen. <laughs> and it makes me so mad. Yeah, it's such a little like subtle dig at who Aurora is. She's like mo- she's like morally not as good as Jim because she likes yeah, the because, city. Yeah, and because he wants to build the... Here's the thing. He wants to sprawl out and spread out and take up too much space and too many resources and, and ruin continue a... the problems in new space, a right. new planet. Right, and ruin and ruin a perfectly good lobby that people are going to have to put up with for four months. Oh my God, the crew right. is going to have to put up with it for six months. And I think what this movie ultimately has to say about the world, state of the world is that the auroras, the, the – this is like – I know. Like this has been building and I truly believe this and it's going to sound ridiculous because it's so overblown. But like the liberal city elites mm-hmm. need to shut up and let mm-hmm. a good man put him in a little house that he built with his hands – Oh, my God, right. And we all need to move out to the country. We all need to stop caring so much about technology. We yeah, because need... technology sucks, guys. <laughs> technology it's super real sucks. real bad. We need to, like, use our hands and our tools and, yes, a lot of technology, actually, Jim, to <laughs> run, to, to leave an indelible mark on the world so that people will know that we were there. And that is messed up. Why do we watch this movie, and do we think other people should watch this movie? Um, because we need to be tuned in to the narratives that are out there. Um, we need to be um, conscious and aware of what people are trying to tell us about gender, about race, about 
um, capitalism about what being a true, good, morally correct person is, especially when it has nothing to do with, I don't know, respecting someone else's autonomy and not being rapey towards them. It means like, you know, uh, destroying a ship because you want to leave your mark on the world. Um, it's important for us to be interrogating this stuff because this is what people are spending a lot of money in making. Like, people with a lot of power are like, yeah, this is the story. So yeah, I ask agree. the questions and pay attention, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying you're you're not. Obviously, you are. You're here listening to this podcast. I'm preaching to my choir. But that's sometimes the most satisfying thing to do in the world is to be able to say, guys, keep keep at it. Yeah. Keep We're questioning validating you. Because yeah. you are also super beautiful and super smart. Yeah. And, um, and we appreciate you being here. Yeah. It's super important. Just the best. <sighs> okay. Well, I guess that, that brings us to what's happening next. Uh, so yeah. my favorite character in this entire movie was our android. Um, Arthur. Uh, but also I've got a real soft spot in my heart, heart for androids. So uh, next week we'll be further proving that androids are the goddamn best by covering Janelle Monae's masterpiece, her emotion picture as she calls it dirty computer Woo! it's available wait. on youtube it is 48 minutes maybe and well worth your time um promise i i cannot speak highly enough about it and i cannot wait to unpack it with you all it's gonna be the best i'm super excited yeah so thanks for listening to space bros head over to the apple podcast or the platform of your choice to subscribe rate and leave us a review we prefer five-star reviews, um, reviews that talk about how great we are. But, I mean, you know, whatever you, whatever you want. But um, five stars <laughs> are recommended. But be sure to visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash spacebras. That's S-P-A-C-E dash B-R-A-S. To see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts. And now, join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of Space Bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone else might suck, <coughs> Jim, <laughs> we are awesome, and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! An outrageous, An outrageous mechanisms, mechanisms production. production.